This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Stuck in the middle with you. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am. You know, Trump doesn't get credit for some of his achievements, for many of his achievements in the mainstream media. But oh my God, what he has just pulled off with China is unbelievable. What, you say he's out of office? Well, this one lives on after him. The key threat that the world, that China poses to the world is not military. That's significant. It's not even economic. That's important. But the main one is mind control, high-tech, internet, mind control. China's imperialism is totally unlike any other in history. They're not, they, they have a great army and they have a great economy, but the main thing they're trying to do is to develop artificial intelligence and high-tech 5G networks which can spy on everybody in the world. And the goal is not just to get intel about what's happening. It's to find out who is politically reliable and a friend of China and who is not, and then to punish those who are not. That's how they run China. That's how they control 1.4 billion people. No easy task. But what they do is that everybody in China gets a political reliability score, kind of like our credit rating. And every time they post something online or say anything in a text or in a phone conversation, the Chinese authorities monitor it and they enter it on his record. And his credit, his political reliability score, social acceptance score, goes up or goes down. And that score determines what kind of apartment you get, what kind of job you can get, whether you can keep your job. It even determines whether to let you ride the train or not or ride an airplane or not. And this is the this score is the most important thing in your life if you live in China. And what the Chinese want to do is to do this internationally and do that by selling 5G connections to the world and, and great smartphones made by the company Huawei, H-U-A-W-E-I, which is basically controlled by the Chinese military and, and intelligence. And... The Huawei is a great smartphone. It's wonderful. All the kids are going to love it. But it comes in with soft with spyware embedded in it. And what China's eventually going to do is they own parts of 2,400 American companies, significant parts, including some big ones that would knock your socks off. AMC Entertainment, for example. Every movie theater in the country is largely owned by the Chinese. That's why you'll never see a movie that knocks China. 
You'll never see it. Couldn't get distributed. Nobody would show it. And and they uh, in communications, entertainment, and everything they have their tentacles in. So what they're going to do in the future is go to a company like WABC seventy seven Talk Radio, and let's say they buy a twenty percent share of the stock, and they then will say, well, we're monitoring. Dick Morris's political reliability score, and it's pretty damn low. In fact, he's flunking out. You better get rid of him. And then I get fired. And Piero gets fired. And of course, Giuliani's long gone. And, and that's how they're planning to run the world. But to do that, they need to get 5G networks throughout the world that are compatible with Huawei. Now, Donald Trump realized this. And he declared war on Huawei. First time in history, a country has literally singled out a corporation in another country and really gone after them. You know, I was thinking about, is there a precedent for doing imperialism through a country? And there is. The British Empire was largely built on the East India Company, which was a private corporation that decided to develop a colony called India. (laughs) And they ran India. And uh, eventually they gave it to Queen Victoria as her personal possession. And then it graduated to being a colony of the country. But first it was the East India Company that ran it. And this is kind of what Huawei is doing. So what Trump did was he sanctioned everything he could about Huawei, the most aggressive sanctions you've ever seen in the world. And the Wall Street Journal ran a story in Friday's edition on the front page saying Huawei is crashing. That Huawei is crashing, falling apart. And uh, it used to be incredibly powerful, and now it's falling apart. Everybody that was hanging out, now you don't talk so loud. Now you don't seem so proud about having to be scrounging. Huawei has fallen from the number one in the world in smartphones to number nine. And the only way they're able to, and they've lost money the last three quarters. The only way that they're able to make any revenue at all is to abandon their smartphone business and to go into electric cars. (laughs) And, you know, there are a lot of competitors for electric cars and maybe they'll make some money with that. But the plan to dominate the world by international spyware is absolutely devastated and destroyed because one man got it and took aggressive action against it and saved our bacon from this. And that was Donald Trump. And boy, he deserves credit for that. It's unbelievable. Now, at the same time that this is happening, China's being weakened by something else that's very important. There is a global surplus. No, there is a global deficit, pardon me, deficit in natural gas production. The world is desperate for natural gas. And that's because the economies have recovered over COVID, and now they're coming roaring back, and the demand for gas is very high. And while that's happening, Biden is stupidly cracking down on fracking in the United States. So we are decreasing our gas production at a time when we should be increasing it, and the price is soaring uh, because of the shortage in natural gas. So what China is now weakened because it cannot get enough energy. 
running on, on empty. And you know, this is the craziest thing you've ever heard of. China can't get natural gas and doesn't have much of it. So China is now increasing its coal production and telling all of its plants to switch to, back to coal. Uh, when the whole world is trying to go away from coal, when the U.S. used to get 50% of its electricity from natural from coal, now it gets only 20%. But China's moving headlong in the other direction. They've opened hundreds of new coal plants because they can't get their hands on natural gas. And the so the greenies who are busy suppressing fracking so there's no natural gas are increasing carbon emissions because China's going to coal. It's the dumbest thing in the world. It is absolutely stupid and indicative of what idiots these greenies are. They just don't understand the world. Their obsession with cutting back natural gas itself is ridiculous. Natural gas has half the carbon content of oil and half the carbon content of coal. So the U.S. has cut its emissions of carbon by 800 million metric tons last year. That's a mind-boggling number. That's more of a cut than every country in Europe, plus Japan, plus the rest of the world combined. And the U.S. has done that by itself, without the Paris Accords, without cap-and-trade, without any of that crap. They just did it because... Gas replaced coal because it was cheaper, and the market did it, and the government didn't have to get involved. Now, because natural gas is not perfect, and it does emit some carbon, the greenies are all saying, oh, get rid of natural gas. What we have to do now is to go to wind and and uh, wind turbines and solar energy. Never mind that when the sun isn't shining, there's no solar energy, and when the wind isn't blowing, the turbines don't do you any good. To give you an idea of how pathetic renewable energy really is, with all of the effort and all of the focus of the last few years on renewable energy, other than hydro, which has always been there, U.S. generates only 12% of its electricity from renewable sources, up from 4%. It's, it's such a hard sell to do that. And natural gas has been incredible. It has cut natural gas used to be 20% and coal was 50%. Now they reversed. Gas is 50 and coal is only 20. And the greenies are all busy knocking it. So join this conversation. What we're going to talk about next is will China invade Taiwan? Is Biden encouraging China to invade Taiwan by his weakness, his appeasement? And later on, we're going to talk about Afghanistan. I have a question. Where are the women? Where are the people who are going to be most victimized by the Taliban? Why didn't we see any of them with machine guns out there fighting? And then we're going to talk about how big tech is squelching innovation and invention in America by stomping out the small independent inventor that does that, that can really do that. And uh, that big tech is hobbling America's ability to produce new inventions, the same kind of inventions that made big tech big in the first place. Something right I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair 
head down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. That's a way to describe American politics. And here I am stuck in the middle with you. So give me a call at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. And we'll talk about China, Taiwan, Biden, appeasement, weakness, and the whole bit. So will China invade Taiwan? That's the question we all ought to be asking. This could this could start a war and could start a nuclear war. The United States is obligated to defend Taiwan and has been focusing on that for over 70 years now, since Taiwan became the seat of the anti-communist Chinese government that was driven out of mainland China in 1949. Now, Taiwan feels pretty secure because it's an island because they're able to defend themselves because they're offshore, they're over 100 miles from China, and they're an island. That's Taiwan's mindset. We have this barricade all around our island, and we're safe and secure, and what's that beast over there roaring and clawing? They can't get over the ocean. But that's ridiculous. China has built up a navy. It's built up an amphibious force. Uh, in the modern era, we don't have D-Day landings anymore. We have airborne stuff, and we can fight wars without anybody being on the ground at all. And uh, Taiwan has been cutting back its defense spending. It has been totally and completely unreliable in standing up for itself. And it just depends on the United States. Uh, they are not mobilizing. They are not working hard at defending themselves. And ultimately, if they're not going to defend themselves, who's going to defend them? Will the United States risk New York for Taipei? Will we risk the Chinese blowing up New York with an atomic weapon in order to keep Taiwan free? I doubt it. Sure as hell not under this president, we're not going to. And Taiwan had better take steps to deal with its own problems and to make sure that it really can defend itself. Meantime, China is using psychological warfare against Taiwan. It's working hard on terrorizing the, the Taiwanese people, making them feel that they are vulnerable, that they can be destroyed, and demanding that they be appeased. They're flying planes over them. They're flying military aircraft. They're threatening every other day. They threaten to invade Taiwan. The reason they're doing this is that they want to get Taiwan, which is a democracy, to vote itself to become the new Hong Kong. They want Taiwan to let down its defenses and to try to appease China, just like Hong Kong did. We can get along with China. We can. They won't devour us. They don't want to have that on their record with the world. There's too much global money in Taiwan for them to get away with it. We're safe. And that's the attitude that they have. And they are not, they're losing their nerve in confronting China. I fall to pieces. 
you know, I used to work for President Chen of Taiwan. I was his political consultant. And he was the head of a party called the Independence Party. And he defeated the mil- the party that Chiang Kai-shek had left in charge of Taiwan. Chiang was the leader of China who founded Taiwan, who fled to Taiwan after he lost the Civil War in 1949. And he set up a party called the Kuomintang that was corrupt as anything and ran Taiwan like a dictatorship. And my candidate overthrew that, Chen. And what he said was, hey – Chang maintains this fiction that there's one China, Taiwan and Beijing, and we're all one country. And I'm just in Taiwan now because I lost a few battles in the Civil War. But you just wait. I'm going to come back and I'm going to conquer China. And I'm going to install myself in Beijing and I'm going to take over and I'm going to throw those stupid communists out. And everybody knows it's complete crap. It's an absolute fantasy. It's nonsense. So Chen said, the hell with that. Let's declare our independence and say we're a separate country and we're sovereign and we're going to go ahead and do our own business. And then after he won, China said, if you don't, if you don't change your tune and you don't change that policy, we will invade tomorrow. We won't wait several years. If we have to nuke you, we will. We will not permit you to declare independence. You're right now in an off-again, on-again status of being part of us, but not – you can keep going that. But if you ever declare independence, you're, you're toast. And they backed down. Taiwan backed down. They fell to pieces. So what's going on now is that the United States, they're totally dependent on the U.S. They can't do anything without the United States. And uh, they are not strengthening themselves. They are not increasing their defense budget. They are not taking steps to defend themselves. It's absolutely ridiculous. Their strategy is appeasement. Let's go to Jonathan Hillsborough. How are you doing, Jonathan? Hey, Jonathan. Hello, hello. Okay, well, let's go to Stu in Bay Ridge. Hey, Stu, how are you doing? Oh, good, uh Dick, I think the uh, parallel is to the 19th, what he's not uh, the current 20s. Every- We're missing Stu. We'll come back to you. Uh, let's go to uh, Ted in Forest Hills. Hey, Ted. Thank you very much. We'll speak about the high school next week. What I'm concerned about, Joseph Biden, I don't like Joe, um, he's increased the military budget 2%. What is that going to do? What if we give the Taiwanese pay raises? That's what you can do. Yeah, each individual a uh, M16 and uh, some uh, modern jet. Also, um, well, we have sent a bunch of equipment to Taiwan, but uh, but the problem is they are just not stepping up to the plate uh, to do what they need to do to defend themselves, and they don't seem to get that Trump isn't there anymore, that Biden's there. And he's not going to lift a finger to save them. Uh, you know, in the 1930s, Hitler invaded the Rhineland, the area between Germany and France. And he was prohibited by the Treaty of Versailles from invading there. And he did. And the British did nothing. The French wanted to, but they wouldn't without the British. And the British said, it seems to us that Hitler has just walked into his own backyard and they weren't going to do nothing. They were going to absolutely sit there and do nothing at all. So China is looking at Taiwan as a very tempting target. They look at Afghanistan. They see how weak Biden is, how he runs away at the first sign of trouble. And they're about to supply him with some serious trouble. And Taiwan better watch out. 
So if you're Xi, the dictator of China, and you're sitting there in Beijing, and you see Biden in the White House, what is your reaction? What is your feeling about Biden? Hello. That's going to be their attitude. And they're not afraid of Biden. They look at Biden and they laugh like hell. And and they are going to get away with everything they can for the next three years. But in 2024, we have a surprise coming for them. Donald Trump is coming back. When Trump comes back, he's going to even up those odds, and the Chinese better understand that. Uh, It's really something when the dominant power we have is we might restore the president we just threw out and to replace the imbecile we have in there now who has no capacity to stand up to anybody. But that all is not relevant to the basic point, which is that Taiwan has got to take care of itself. They have got to provide for their own defense. That's the lesson they need to get from Afghanistan, which is, no, you cannot rely on the United States. You sure as hell can't rely on the United States with Joe Biden in charge. And uh, you're, you're, you're wrong for trying to do that, and it's absolutely crazy for you to try to do that. Now, I have another question I want to ask. This may be slightly irreverent. Before we get to that, let's do some calls. Let's go to John in Bergen County. Hey, John. Mr. Morris, good afternoon. Hey. I just want to make a quick comment about something you said earlier. Um, I believe we already have mind control in the United States. I think it's evident in the behavior that occurred during Trump's presidency. They have control of the social media. They have complete and total control of our educational system, and they have control of a lot of our companies. And I'm talking about the Democratic Party and the Chinese government. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. In fact, later in the show, I'm going to amplify that and you'll enjoy what we're talking about. I was saying, though, that the Chinese government, their their mind control is even more extensive than ours is. And, uh, and, you know, hopefully we'll never, we'll never have to experience it. Let's go to uh, John in Astoria. Hey, John. How are you, Mr. Morris? Doing I great. enjoy your program every Sunday. Thank you. You're an incredible person as a strategist, a political commentator, but I think you're a great DJ as well. I want you to know <laughs> that I enjoy your music. Yeah, well, we have a political selection of music. <laughs> we have Doug DePiero, who is our musical expert and also a drummer. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> That's great. Talking about China, they have significantly invested in New York real estate, right. funding uh, properties with mortgages. How's this going to play out? I mean, they, well, uh, let me I, let me comment on that. Good for you for raising it. I have two thoughts. First is I kind of like the idea of Russia or China owning stuff in the U.S. and Japan because it means they have a stake in our future. That if we go down, they go down. Uh, they have their money tied up here, and it's in real estate where they can't divest it very easily. So I'm not all that opposed to it. However, 
given what I said earlier in the show, which is that they're going to weaponize the 5G network and get intel on each of us and use that to pressure it to lose our jobs and to screw up our lives. They could use their real estate holdings to do that, and that's something we really have to be careful about. I want to ask a question. Thank you for your call. I want to ask a question that nobody is asking. Where the hell are the women of Afghanistan? Where were they? If those were Israeli women, do you think they'd sit back and let their husbands and boyfriends defend them and fight for them, especially given the way Muslim men in Afghanistan apparently feel about Muslim women, which is you're on your own, honey? And they they would... They would be flocking the target range. They'd have all have AK-47s, and they would all know how to use them. And the women of Afghanistan should have stood up for themselves when this was going on. Uh, they, the, and the Taliban was advancing. Their husbands and their boyfriends and their fathers just threw down their weapons and ran like hell. And so what? They lose some liberty, they lose some land, they lose some prosperity, they lose their freedom, whatever that's worth. But the Muslim women are put into virtual slavery, and yet they did not lift a finger on that. We need a little bit more is what uh, Elvis Presley is about to tell us about. Where are those hard-headed women in Afghanistan? Why are they putting up with all of this crap and not taking steps to defend themselves? Uh, you look at the crime waves going on in New York and other cities. Go into any target practice place, and it's wall-to-wall women. Uh, they're all doing target practice, learning how to use weapons, learning how to defend themselves, because they know damn well that the cops would, but they're not allowed to, and that nobody else will. And uh, they're really being aggressive about that. And yet there's a feeling of sit back and leave it, leave it to somebody else to do that. And that's really the attitude that's taking place in Taiwan. And that is really what I think we're looking at uh, throughout the Muslim world. Um, let's go to Victor in New Jersey. Hey, Victor. Hi. Good afternoon, Mr. Morris. Hi. Mr. Morris. If I want to listen to music, I'll listen to ABC at 6 p.m. Okay. The interjection of music while you're disseminating valuable information that I learned from you and respect you, I think should be omitted. It's, you have limited time, and the music is taking away yeah, uh, but, the time from the Victor, valuable Victor, I, I really appreciate your call, and I appreciate your caring so much about my program to make it. But let me just say this. A lot of times... The music says it a lot better than I'll ever say it. <laughs> I mean, when we're playing music that talks about Joe Biden, uh, I can't do better than that. <laughs> I mean, Pink Floyd has it all over me explaining that. So cut me some slack on that. Let's go to Tom in New Jersey. How are you, Tom? Hi, Jack. How you doing? Great show. Doing great. And I love the music. You're exactly <laughs> right. It pushes the point. It pushes the point. Yeah, my, my, my concern is what people don't understand is when Obama was in office and Joe Biden was vice president, he allowed China to build up their navy. He let them build those sandbars out yeah. there so they can have landing. He sure rafts. did. He sure it did. was them. And there's one other point. The and the only reason you have a navy is to project force. 
You don't have a navy for self-defense if you're this gigantic landmass. If you're the Philippines or Indonesia, maybe you do. But this landmass of China, what the hell did they need a navy for? The Yangtze River? Go ahead, though. Exactly. And, and not only that, I want people to listen to this. Obama allowed our top military drones to land in Iran. Where is everybody here? Yep. Thank you. Thank you, yep. Jack. You're absolutely right. So uh, let's go to Tony in Fairlawn. Hey, Tony. Hi, Mr. Morris. How you doing? I was doing just, great. I got one question I wanted to get your opinion on. You know, if, if China started a war, how economically secure are they, especially when they depend on the rest of the world for their economy yeah. and their, uh, their selling their products? I mean, are exactly they right, secure? Tony. That, that's a great question, something I've been thinking about and working about lately. Yeah, China seems very powerful, but bear in mind that we sell them $115, million, $115 billion a year of stuff. They, they sell us $450 billion a year of stuff. So $300 billion of their economy is from us. And you know that the first thing that would happen if we got into war with China is a total embargo on products from China. Total embargo. And you'd say, well, that'll hurt our economy. But no, not really. Yeah, it'll screw up a couple of businesses. They'll have to find other supply chains. We'll have shortages of some stuff for a while. But particularly if we know it's coming and we take steps to make here the stuff that we depend on them for, like rare earth minerals and stuff like that, we can survive it. When Trump raised tariffs on China by 25%, it was no big deal. We grew at 7% a year. Uh, We didn't get screwed. Uh, And uh, if we impose a total trade embargo, the same is true. The other thing the Chinese would have to bear in mind is that we pay them $60 a year in interest payments on the money they've lent us. Now, everyone says, oh, if you don't pay that money, your credit rating will drop and nobody will ever lend America money again. Yeah, that's true. But if there's a war, <laughs> do, you, do you think they expected us to send checks to Berlin to give them uh, interest on money we might have borrowed from them during World War II? <laughs> we should have put uh, you know, some money in the hydrogen, atomic bomb we dropped on Japan because they, we owed them an interest payment. You don't pay money when you're at war with someone. And China would lose significantly economically. But I have a worry here, Tony. This guy in there, Xi, who's there, is a total change from the past Chinese leadership, which is still in the spirit of Deng Xiaoping, who basically had it right. He said China is going to soft pedal being communist. We're going to go back. We'll be authoritarian, but we're not going to be communist. And we're going to be capitalist. We're going to win at the game. We're going to get rich. And he did. But Xi seems willing to sacrifice a lot of that. Uh, he, uh, he let Huawei go to hell, the stuff we talked about at the start of the program. Uh, he seems willing to incur global anger and perhaps isolation over what he's doing with Taiwan and now with, uh, Hong Kong and now with Taiwan. And I don't think she plays by the same set of rules. I think she may be perfectly willing to sacrifice some political, some economic growth in order to have his way and keep China communist. Uh, bear in mind that Mao sent the whole, set the whole country back 40 years with his uh, cultural revolution. 
and he was perfectly willing to stymie any economic growth in China to make sure they were ideologically pure. And Mao is Xi's role model, and we got to be really conscious of that. So we'll talk when we come back about the real damage that big tech is doing to us. Not the stuff we've been talking about, not the stuff you see on TV, not the stuff about, you know, Hunter Biden's computer and its social media and censoring Trump. There's something far, far, far more dangerous and insidious. They are killing, killing America's innovation and inventiveness when we come back. Big tech is destroying inventiveness and innovation in the United States. No sooner does some guy in a garage come up with a better mousetrap or a better search engine or a better way of finding data or a faster way of doing business than he goes to the patent office and asks for a patent to protect it. And the patent office looks at it and says, hey, you're on to something, guy. Here's your patent. Then Big Tech slaps him with a lawsuit uh, saying that his invention infringes on something of theirs or it's not worthy of a patent. And the poor guy who has limited capital scraped it together to do the invention and is now trying to market it with every dime he can find has to spend $500,000 on legal fees and court costs defending himself in a lawsuit. And the rules used to be that if they lost that lawsuit and 70% of the suits are defeated, they can come back and do it again and again and again. They can keep this guy in court for the rest of his life. And the result is that the patent system cannot protect our inventors. It's not protecting them. Uh, In fact, venture capital firms are now not investing in startup technology. They're investing in uh, social media or in consumer electronics. Uh, They're not investing in cutting-edge technology, and they're not doing it because of the intimidation of big tech. Look, these guys, we're talking about Google, Amazon, um, and uh, Apple, Microsoft, they don't own anything, okay? They don't have assets. Their asset is that they found a way to access information. And if somebody can come up with a better way or a faster way, it'll take about five minutes for their stock to tank and for them to go on the junk heap of history. They know that. They know that whenever somebody comes up with something, it is a mortal threat to them unless they can come up with something better or they can kill it by using capital and lawsuits and the patent office. Now, under Obama, they got away with everything. Then Trump came in, and he appointed a guy named Andre Iescu, who the Romanian name, and he ran the patent office under Trump. He was the Undersecretary of Commerce for Intellectual Property. And, oh, man, did he do a job. He blocked them from suing multiple times, the, uh, in 2011, the Senate passed a bill. It's one of those bills that does the opposite of what it says it does. It was called Americans Invent Act. And what it did was to make sure nobody invents anything <laughs> because it took the power to review these patents away from the courts where big tech was losing and put them in special administrative courts set up by the patent office, fixed for big tech, so big tech would win all the lawsuits. And the ESCO, uh, got rid of them. 
changed the procedures and made sure they really could enforce patents. And then what happened? Well, big tech helped out Mr. Biden a lot. They sat on Hunter's laptop. They discredited it. They wouldn't let the story out on the Internet. They biased everything they did for Joe Biden. They delivered this election to Biden. They wouldn't let the president of the United States of freaking America go on the air and talk to his constituents. Can you believe that? I mean, it's one thing to censor a pornographer or a terrorist, but a president? And they didn't do anything to the other side. And as soon as Biden, quote, won the election, big tech came around and said, we want our payoff. We want payback. And Biden gave it to him. What he did was suspend the rule that said they can't have more than one bite at the apple, that they can not sue again and again and again. And now big tech goes into court. It loses. It sues again. It loses. It sues again. It loses. And the poor SOB who came up with the better mousetrap in his garage, who has no capital, runs out of money. And his venture capitalists say, hey, we'll pay for your invention because we think it's really cool, but we're not going to become, you know, a bank for your legal fees. And he's stranded and he can't do a damn thing about it. And as a result, patents issued by the U.S. Patent Office have dropped by 60% since Biden took office. And the price of a patent on the open market when you try to sell it is down by two-thirds. Investors say, what, am I going to put my money in buying a patent when it doesn't protect the invention at all? And they understand that, and the venture capitalists are pulling out of it. And that, friends, is the real harm that big tech is doing to the United States. Now, I believe we should repeal Section 230 of the Federal Communications Decency Act so that we can sue big tech and hold them responsible. I think we need to make them stand up to their pledge that they made when they were given the franchise that they have to be nonpartisan and non-ideological. We, we have to do all of that. But the main thing we have to do is to unleash American technology. The United States was dead during the uh, Carter administration. Reagan brought it back to life. Then Clinton brought it further, and Biden and, and now Trent Trump did a great job in moving it ahead. And the key was our inventiveness. The key was that we invented something called the Internet. Al Gore didn't do it. <laughs> and, the, and we really uh, invented stuff, a new light bulb, uh, a new car, a new airplane, a new steam engine, another in that long history of American inventions that have changed the world and saved the American economy. And we've stopped doing it because we won't protect the inventors. Now, China is loving it because the American inventor can't come up with anything. And Taiwan protects its inventions, protects its inventors, and makes sure that they are the main source of technology in the world. And China gets it that if there's ever a war, the issue is who will be the higher tech, who will be able to fight on that battlefield better. And we will not be because our patent office is no longer protecting us. So when you saw all the stuff that high tech was doing to help Joe Biden, and you may have wondered why, and you probably said something like, well, they're playing the market, they're invested in the stock, there's money there, they're all that. But that's not it at all. The payoff was very simple. Screw the patent holder. Stop a new invention from replacing the power that you have. Let's go to Judith in Brooklyn. Hey, Judith. 
Hi, Judith. Wow, Mr. Mars. Hi, Mr. Mars. You're such a bundle of information. I'm hanging and I'm listening, but I need to ventilate. I hope you don't mind. Go ahead. Uh, I want to tell you something. First of all, by the way, uh, Biden is bought off by China. And basically, he handed China, he handed Afghanistan to China on a silver platter, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Because now China's going to be doing uh, pipelines and oils to Iran, a whole thing, having fun, whatever. But here's my point. You know, when you hear about nine months, what comes to mind? What comes to my mind is delivering a beautiful, innocent baby. Biden, in these past nine months, what he has produced, Mr. Morris, is total disaster down the line, and it's all by socialist Democrat design. Let me just explain. On the education front, CRT making parents terrorists, ridiculous. Right. Immigration, COVID migrants unvetted, killing our energy pipeline, giving it to Russia, yep. and now we're not energy independent. Economy, inflation through the roof, weaponizing the FBI and the IRS, as you say, military, abandoning Americans in Afghanistan, a disastrous withdrawal that should never have been done this way, on and on and on. Judith, it let me outrageous. summarize for a minute. Well, I was going to play, are you, somebody, anybody in there? Anybody? Yeah, there we go. This summarizes your remarks, Judith. <laughs> you got it absolutely right. Uh, you're completely right. Now, you mentioned nine months and a healthy baby. I don't know if you caught my show a week ago or two weeks ago, I think, about abortion. I'm proposing something radically new. That we use the fact that infant, that fetuses are now viable outside the womb after 23 weeks, and in some cases 22, and 20% of the fetuses that are out outside of the womb at 21 survive and are healthy. And those odds are increasing every week, every month with new technology. So I say, let's not have a binary choice of kill the fetus or for, make force the woman to give birth. Let's have a third alternative, early birth. Let's tell women who are contemplating an abortion, we will pay you $2,000, one shot payment, no more, more than one per customer. And uh, what we want you to do is not have the abortion, but have a live birth instead. You still don't have to carry the term, no labor pains, nothing like that. And you won't have to support the child afterwards, but preserve the life of the fetus while you are terminating your pregnancy. Have your cake and eat it too. And technology makes that possible. And by the way, tell the pro-life movement to put its darn money where its mouth is. Instead of just in addition to mouthing off about human life, put some money up for adoption. Do you know how much New York State pays adopted parents and subsidies? Zero. Texas, the home of the pro-life movement, they pay him $1,500 one shot and say rot to ruck. California doesn't give them anything. Florida gives them $5,000 a year, the most in the country. I say give every couple or person that adopts a child $10,000 a year tax-free till the child's 18 for the rest of his life, until the child's 18. Uh, and add in Biden's $3,600 per child tax credit. And you're giving someone a pre-tax income equivalent of about $20,000 a year for each child they adopt. Now, nobody's adopting because of money. They're adopting because of love and caring for the child, the best of motivations. But come on, children are expensive. Uh, why should we have people that can't afford to adopt a child and therefore don't? 
so that's my solution on abortion. And it gives the pro-life movement what they want, a healthy baby, and gives the pro-choice movement what they want, a terminated pregnancy of an unwanted uh, baby. So you mentioned nine months, and that's my shtick about that. So today we've talked about Huawei, the imperialist company that was the core of China's global ambition to sell 5G technology to the rest of the world, embedded spyware in that technology, and keep records of everybody's cell phone calls, texts, instant messages, Instagram phone calls, everything, and then use that to figure out who likes them and who hates them and use their economic tentacles throughout the world to punish the people who are down on them. And now Huawei is going broke because Donald Trump declared war on it, imposed sanctions. They can't peddle their 5G technology. Japan, Australia, Britain, and the U.S. have turned it down, and they've had three bad quarters in a row, and they're out of the high-tech cell phone business. They're making electric cars now. We talked about how Taiwan should be doing much more for its own defense. Can't rely on the United States, certainly not in this clown in there. And, uh, and the, but the, Donald Trump is coming back in 24, and we played the song, My Boyfriend's Back, and You're Going to Be in Trouble. (laughs) So y'all take care. This was a lot of fun. We'll see you next week. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.